Great news, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time. I just want to let you know that we have finally released our second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. This book was written with you in mind. I wanted to capture 15 unique stories of different investors starting at different stages and doing different things. This book is just that. It's nearly 300 pages of motivation, of confirmation, and reminders that yes, you too can do this thing. Check it out on Amazon, and of course, have a great day. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Fantastic Friday, and we know what that means. It means we have Mike Zuber for One Rental at a Time, and the newly published Mike Zuber yeah. for One Rental at a Time. Let's yeah. see. Oh. There it is. Yes, yeah. 15 conversations with real estate millionaires. And you know how sick I am? Yeah. The thing that I was doing right before the, yeah, you know what I'm doing. What I was doing right before this episode is uh, I've decided my third book is going to be 21 or 23 legends of real estate, of which, of course, you will be one of them. But I'm oh. already putting together the outline for book number three. How sick am I? You are deranged. <laughs> I am. In, a, in a good way. Yeah, it's just like I can't celebrate the success of the first book. It's been out for eight or nine days. Exactly. I'm already starting to put it together. It's very, very, very early, but I know what I'm, I at least know it and feel good about book number three. But yeah, this book's going to help a lot of people, man. This is going to be something I seriously think. Yeah. That if I was 32 or 33, had three rentals and I, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, changed my mind or changed my life mindset, I could hold on to this. Yeah. And just like reread chapter four, yeah. chapter four, chapter four, chapter, because again, it would, it would speak to me. So I am trying to fill a need. New investors, you got to believe because it's yes. the first four or five years, it's slow. It's, it's the slow income snowball. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Slow Bad stuff hard. happens. The income snowball doesn't have a chance to really cascade. If I can get you to year five or six, life gets good. That's why this book exists. It's so important, Mike, because there will be those times, um, you and I had it in both of our careers. Oh, yeah. There will be those times where there's self-doubt, where everything's going sideways, where you're like, I just did it wrong. No, 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 no. It's because stuff goes wrong. In these yeah. transactions, stuff goes wrong. In fact, if you go into it accounting for the fact that it's not being negative, it's being realistic. There is likely going to be, at one point or another, a fire drill that must be addressed. Absolutely kind of way it goes. So that kind of segues into what I wanted to talk about, which was what I believe is going to be, and you and I have talked about this, what we believe is going to be one of the greatest opportunities for purchasing real estate over the course of the next two to five years, and certainly in the asset class of two to four units, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the idea that because of everything that's occurred with COVID, because of everything that's occurred with all these crazy state law changes and federal law changes, that there is going to be the opportunity like never before for landlords that want to finally get out of the business and do it in a way that lessens the tax burden as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So what I'm alluding to is really the top three reasons for seller financing, not only the top three reasons for a buyer, but the top three reasons for a seller, because I think very often people don't understand, and this is something you and I live with and lived for 20 mm -hmm. years, you only have a deal in place when both sides agree that it's going to work for them. Absolutely. And so yeah. seller financing is something I wanted to cover. So let's cover, you know, literally cover kind of general, you know, give a generalization kind of what that is, but then let's talk mm -hmm. about kind of the three reasons that uh, a, a seller would really want to even engage on that level. 
Yeah. So kind of, kind of top level stuff. And then we'll go into seller and buyers, why it's good for both. When I think seller financing, there's a couple of things that come to mind. First and foremost, it's likely that somebody's owned the asset for a long enough time. Seller financing, at least as we'll be talking about here, generally speaking, won't be for a new buyer, right? It's somebody that's owned it for years or decades. Otherwise, you're really talking about subject two, which is a different conversation. Right, right. Uh, we're talking about seller financing where the owner owns it, right? There's no debt or very little debt. Uh, and, um, you know, they're going to take payments. What I will say about seller financing is sometimes real estate agents get in the way, right? Yeah. I have had many opportunities that were the right answer, or at least one of the right answers was seller financing. But because the property was listed, the agent um, was a problem. So I just want to acknowledge that, that if, if, you know, if the listing is on the MLS, as an investor, you may have a two-step dance, right? You're going to have to educate the agent and then educate the seller. I, I just want to acknowledge that fact. But anytime you as a buyer can communicate with uh, an owner and talk about it, it, uh, it should be considered. I believe in it so much that I'm dropping a thousand bucks a week on a mailer to kind of my target market on, on anybody that's owned uh, rentals for 20 years. Uh, so I always put my money where my mouth is. So, you know, there's a, a member of the hub, which is an office building that I built for real estate professionals in Fresno uh, that's doing that. It's a thousand bucks a week for six weeks, I think, or maybe it's a, I think it's every 10 days. I think we're doing it four times. So nice. yeah, we'll see what happens. And so when we're talking about seller financing, as Mike described it, it really is basically the owner of the home saying, you know what? I'm going to get out of this and maybe it's something that they live in, but it also might be something that they just own. That's uh, that's an investment property. Mm -hmm. And they say, I want to get out of this. So Mike talk through, you know, when a seller makes the decision to sell, or mm -hmm. maybe they haven't even made the decision to sell yet. Mm -hmm. They're looking for somebody to give them some sort of an idea in a way, yeah. help them do a clean deal that helps them not necessarily avoid taxes, but everyone pays the taxes that are, or everyone should pay the taxes that they owe. Oh, yeah. But you should always be looking for strategies that are legal to pay less taxes. That for just sure. makes sense. So yeah. talk to me about that from a seller perspective, what that looks like for them. Yeah. And you'll get one of the, one of the chapters that are in here. I made sure to put in here is actually a real estate investor who started investing in the eighties. Wow. Right. I, I started in 2002. So this, this lady started in the eighties. She's in this book because she is using seller financing to wind down her portfolio. And she talks about why it's a good reason. So again, there is a chapter in here just for this. That was the most important chapter for me. That's the kind of chapter that like punched me in the guts, like Zuber pay attention. So <laughs> why is it good for the seller? Right. Again, as an investor, you are used to monthly cash flow. right? It's kind of how you, it, for most people like me, that's how I operate my life. My cash flow is pick a number. I live on less. I can do whatever I want as long as I live on less. Uh, so they're used to that. What we don't like is chunk money, right? We don't like getting a six figures in our account because what that does is it whacks part or all of our cash flow and it sits there as a lump. And a lump of money for somebody who lives on their cash flow is a problem, not an opportunity, right? Because you have to change your lifestyle. You have to make decisions you never thought about before. You maybe have greedy family members who are more likely to come and ask for some money than as opposed to, you know, just living on your meager means. It's, it's, it's a problem, right? So the first thing that, that I often talk about or, or a discussion is I would just ask, what would you do with a hundred grand? And most of the investors who I have done seller financing deals like, oh, I guess I need a financial advisor or I'd leave it in a savings account. It would be something not smart. 
-hmm. And then I say, well, you know, instead of getting a hundred grand, what if you got like 20 and then you got, you got some, you know, some payments every month. Well, how would we do that? Right. Cause not a lot of people think seller financing, right. They don't realize the, the house is an asset. Sure. You could, they could be the bank, all of these things. So that's where the conversation starts. Um, the other thing to talk about is taxes, right? If you run into someone and, and uh, you know, you see this sometimes in people, it's like, I hate the IRS or the government's this, like if they're blaming the government for all of these um, uh, eviction moratoriums and forbearances and just kind of that, I might actually start the conversation with, hey, what if I could show you a way that we could uh, manage your taxes, significantly lower year one taxes, and maybe if we can, you know, if we can complete the financial picture, really put together a deal uh, where you don't pay you don't pay a lot of taxes going forward, uh, and maybe uh, maybe the balance of the loan is due after your death, right? You can do all kinds of things like this. So, um, and then the last thing is a lot of people are selling, and we talk about it in this book, right? Once you become a landlord at seventy, and that's what really hit me in this book. We, we have never seen a landlord really do good work at over 70, right? It's mm -hmm. go enjoy the rest of your life, right? Unwind. And uh, you don't have the daily headaches anymore because what happens when you're 70 is you've probably owned the property for years. You probably don't raise rents anymore. You probably are at the points like, hey, no headache is better than a headache. Uh, and that usually begets, you know, less capital improvements and maintenance. And it just slowly becomes a, a property you're probably not proud of. So you know, let's remove those headaches. So there's lots of reasons it's great for sellers. Uh, maintain income, reduce headaches, reduce taxes. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a huge benefit that unfortunately not enough people talk about. And again, agents don't know any of that. They're like, no, the only way you can sell is with a cash buyer or a loan. You can't do seller financing. Seller financing is illegal. Yeah. No, it's not no, illegal. It's not, not, not even close. And again, it's just the reason that fuels my hate fire for 90% <laughs> of the agents that are in the market now is because they're completely uninformed. And 50% of them will be gone in two years when the yeah. slowdown actually happens. So the, you know, I wanted to give you a real life case scenario and you kind of, let's kind of talk through it. So well, let me do, let me give you one more example. Please, yeah. One more thing I want to say about agents. Uh, you, this is a people business. And if I was working, again, I, I acknowledge right up front that if you're going to buy something that's listed, you've got to work through the agent. Absolutely. So here is the number one rule as an investor who wants to buy a property that's listed with seller finance. Your number one job is to communicate to that agent how they're going to get paid. Yes. Most agents hear seller financing and they go, shit, where's my commission? Right. So remove that problem. That's right. <laughs> Talk about how they're going to get paid first. Then you have their attention, then you move forward. If you skip the how they're going to get paid, they are going to ignore you or listen and forget that they ever spoke with you. So do yourself so how a does, favor. How does that conversation go, Mike? Well, most of the time you need to acknowledge that, you know what, I'm going to be putting at least 6% or 7 or 8% into the deal to close so you get paid. I mean, mm -hmm. let's, let's just be clear, right? Most of them are going to make six, some's going to make five. I'd ask them, what are you going to make on the deal? Well, okay, if you're going to make 5%, I'm going to make sure you get paid. So that means I'm going to bring at least an add a point or two for closing costs, because generally speaking, the seller's not going to maybe bring cash to the table. Right. But I have gotten into deals listed with agents for 8%. 8% is the lowest I've gotten, because I wanted to make sure the agent got paid. I wanted to make sure the seller brought nothing to table. That was my choice. I didn't have to, but that was what I did. So uh, just talk about it up front. Be direct. Yeah, lots of ways to structure it, too, because in the particular case that I have, you know, this specific deal, 
Mm-hmm. It is a property that um, six fifty is what okay. the offer was. Okay. Um, the idea was, let's just say for round numbers, let's just call it six hundred for example. Okay. So they owe two hundred. They want two hundred. They'll hold two hundred. Okay. Right. Got it. Yep. So what that does from a seller's perspective is number one, they pay off the mortgage. Yeah. Notes gone. Yep. Right. Number two, yep. they get 200 grand to do all the things they want to do with, because I think that their the goal will be for them to actually put their kids through college. Yeah. And I think they want to set something college, up. Right. Their kids are college age. So that's the time. Yep. And then the other thing is, is that they're still in their early fifties. They're just looking at this being the exit for them. Yeah, they get and then they, early fifties. Yeah, so the first, so the banks first goes. They get a, they get money that they can put away in whatever ten LCs or whatever the hell the college nonsense is, yep. and then they become the note. They become the first. Correct. So well, so what I think is going to actually happen is, is I think that they're actually going to become a second. Oh, so you're so going to bank loan? Yeah. yeah. So I think we'll and and actually this is something we're working on with Velocity with Steven. Okay. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I think that, you know, so there's the, there's, we'll get kind of the buyer perks on the back of this, but on the front end of this is their $200,000 note is eliminated. Gone. They're two, then they get $200,000 so they can pay for college for their kids over the next four years, you know, four and five years. Um, Cause they have mm-hmm. kids that are transitioning into that age group where they're getting ready to go to school. They have the money there. They have it available. Yeah. And then the second piece is to your point, which is, which is what I love is, on that $200,000, they take a note on that 200, but they get the benefit of both worlds, which is yeah. they don't pay down that 200. They get that 200,000 as a note. Mm-hmm. And then they get, a per, then they're going to make almost a thousand dollars a month on That's that awesome. note yeah. for 10 years. And it hasn't affected their principal at all. Yeah. And then just quick question, because I love these kind of discussions. When did they buy the building? That's the thing is they've owned the thing for probably, I think, 15, 20 years. So they, okay. So they probably bought it for 200 ish. Oh yeah. They were, they, my guess would be they probably paid three fifty to four top or probably three to three to three fifty for both, maybe three fifty to four for both. Maybe. Yeah. So let's just, let's just play this out. Cause again, if I, again, as an accountant, this is kind of how this, let's just say they're into the building 400 capital improvements, all of that. For sure. They've probably depreciated it down to, let's just use round numbers again, 200. Yep. So now they sell it. So they, their, their cost basis is 200. They sell it for six. Uh, they're going to get proceeds of four because right. The 200 goes to the bank 200 here. So that 200 that they're collecting, they're going to pay, uh, realtor commissions out of that, so six yep. percent gone. They're gonna, they should be putting in my money away for taxes, yep. uh, which is going to be probably capital 30%, gains, right? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know their tax bracket, 20, 30 percent. So, really, they're going to be left with like 110 grand out of that cash, yep. But they're also have a note that's not taxed, right? It, it'll be taxed as income is collected. It, no, let me be clear, it will be taxed, it's just not taxed year one, right? Um, yeah, so that's pretty smart. Yeah. I mean, I think it gives them a perfect strategy, which is pay off the note. That's no longer, they're yeah. no longer landlords. They mm-hmm. get $200,000 and it's going to be a hundred and something after taxes and realtors you know, fees yep. and all that other stuff. Yep. They then no longer have to worry about or work with tenants and they get almost a thousand dollars a month, yeah. which is probably, they couldn't have been making a whole lot more than that. Probably not anyway. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty right. of most of the seller finance deals I've done is I actually ask them, well, how much cash flow you really see, right? right? A month, right? Right. And usually the payment is within 10%, right? 
right? right? I'm like, well, how would you like the payment to be this with right. no headaches? Oh, I'd right. like that. I'd like that. Well, yeah, that's you'd like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that I said is I said, you know, you're pretty much going to be, I said, if my math is wrong, you can correct it, but I think you're going to be ballpark about the same amount of money for the next 10 years without ever taking another tenant call. And even better is in year 10, you can get a check for 200 grand, but you will have prepared for it with how to structure getting that yeah. 200, number one. Or extend. Or number two, extend. That's exactly, exactly what I was saying. I was like, look at rates then. And maybe you say, you know what? Yeah, we'll do another five years, let's say, but we'll do it for 7% if that's what the number bears at yeah. that point. But it gives you flexibility. The other thing that I think enough people don't talk about is the fact that that is a financial instrument. That is a note. If they ever said yeah. or got into a position where they're like, you know what? We really need that $200,000. Mm -hmm. You can sell that note. You yeah, can this, sell the note. This is something I want to tell you that I didn't add to my first note, but I've added to every note since. Yep. Uh, I have the right of first refusal to buy the okay. note. Interesting. Right. Because usually for first off, the note is absolutely an asset is absolutely as there are entire businesses around buying right. notes with payment streams, yep. especially ones connected to real estate, yep. huge value, but you buy them at a discount. Yes. So I've added to every note since my first one. So not on the first one that I have the right of first refusal if they want to sell the note. Interesting. And so you do that so you can just basically buy it out or what, what's the reason? Well, I just want the opportunity. I, I mean, if they're going to sell it at a discount, let's say they get hard up, hard up for cash gotcha. and, and they need a hundred grand tomorrow. Yeah. I would like a phone call saying, Hey, would you like to take this 200 K note and give me a hundred grand tomorrow? Depending yes. out where I'm at. Yes. If I had the cash. It was just sitting there. I think hundred percent profits, a pretty good deal. Right. So I just want to get that phone call. I have said, I have said, so I've been, I've done seller financing for 15, 14 years. Mm -hmm. I've, um, I think there are two notes that I bought for a discount. Interesting. Just, I was like, you know what? The discount's enough. I'm not doing anything else with my cash. Uh, I bought them. So uh, Mike, this is also yeah. kind of like the reverse of what I showed in my graph and what you showed on Norris Drive when we said, look, we held the property for 10 years and look how much money we made and look how much mm -hmm. money we cash out refied. I did the math real quickly for them. And I just said, guys, you're going to make $10,000 a year. Yeah. Interest payments where the tax burden is very, very small. Oh, very small. Yeah. And so you got 10,000 a year times 10 years. You're going to make a hundred grand holding this note yeah. that you could say in year nine that you want to sell. Yeah. Like, oh my word. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, looking at what seller financing looks like. The only reason I'm obviously not doing it is because I'm still in growth mode. I'm still yeah, acquiring properties, exactly. right? Exactly. makes no sense for me. But if you're looking to get out, this is something that as a buyer, you should be talking to sellers about. But as a seller, be looking for the guy that can make a deal like this happen for you yeah. because the tax ramifications alone, mm -hmm. Mike, this is going to pay them $100,000 over the, over the 10 years. They still have their $200,000 note. And- they save if it's a 30% cap gains, which is what largely is, is going to happen probably based on legislation. Again, it's just you yeah. know, prognostication, but it saves them $60,000 in taxes day one. Yeah, uh, that was a big takeaway. So what I'm going to do now because of the chapter in this book is when I get to be about 65, I'm going to look at our portfolio. We'll probably sell off five or six for cash just so we can have the, the party money, right? Uh, and then I'm going to sell off the lion's share of our stuff be between 65 and 70 via seller financing. It's yep. just, it's the right strategy. Her, her chapter, I wish, 
I'll try to look up which chapter it is, but yeah, it changed my life. It, it changed my life. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, Mike, where I hadn't really done any of these types of deals. And it's kind of funny because we talk about kind of the maturation of our journey. Right. Mm -hmm. And so are my journey being different than yours? I'm mm -hmm. year 19 doing my, or near 20 doing my first seller financing anything. Chapter 12, in case anybody bought the book, changed my yeah. life. And I've been in it 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. such a, such, such a game changer. So Mike, thanks so much for taking us through this entire thing. I know for a lot of folks out there, it will be confusing. It will be overwhelming. The good news is there's a ton of resources on this, A, in Mike's books, B, in the course. Yeah, the course, the, the, the how to get started one rental at a time. I, uh, I know seller financing well. I've done it. I'm also an accountant. I've also invited CP. EAs to have the discussion because it's anytime you talk taxes, uh, you, you want to bring a CPA involved. So I've done that. So yeah, the seller financing stuff in the course is uh, game changing. I've actually brought deals that I've done with seller financing, how they came, how they've structured all of that. So I'm very proud of the seller financing stuff in there. And oh, by the way, it's bonus. It's free. <laughs> I didn't even raise the price. It's still $2.99. Crazy. It's one of those, it's one of those things too, Mike, that I actually got a CPA involved. I, I paid for the CPA's time. I said, disclosure, all, all to the client, but you know, you, I just want to have you to have an honest conversation with them. I wanted to make sure they were set up for that. They didn't have their own CPA. Hmm. And the downside for me was I thought that accountants knew about this stuff. <laughs> well, next time reach out to me, I'll connect you with Bob Langworthy, who is uh, the real estate CPA that's actually in the course. So uh, next time. Yeah amazing because the funny thing was is i had to tell her i said did you talk to him about it being a note and that it's an asset yeah. a financial asset it's, like, it's called an installment loan and why yeah. installment loans are treated different than a sale and yeah, yeah there's like, there's some lingo that should have been shared yes yeah there's a lot of stuff in there that will really help people so mike again thank you so much for taking people through it where can everybody find you my friend one rental at a time go to google and type it in and check out the new book it's absolutely awesome i haven't read it yet but i feel like i have because we've talked about it so yeah much. it's i uh i'm really proud of this it's a I really good yeah i'm proud of this one i love the fact that again there's 15 stories in there from 15 unique individuals and their journey mm -hmm. and that is worth its weight in gold because how often do we try and have conversations with people to try and learn okay where'd you fall down okay what really worked for you and it's impossible to find those people. And you've yeah. put 15 experts in the same book that have done it, made it work. And it's, again, it's all different paths up the mountain to success, but it's 15 different ones. I think people will grab a hold of one or two of the stories that will mean a lot to them. They'll go, constantly go back and read it. I think it's super valuable. Uh, yeah, I, so, uh, yeah, I'm very proud. Yeah, thrilled, thrilled that you did it. So as always, we spent a ton of time putting great content together for you. Please subscribe, give us the thumbs up. This stuff should be going viral because people hmm. need this kind of help. I know because people ask Mike and me for help all the time. So people need this help. Make sure it goes viral. Get, get some folks taking a look at this. 1130 AM Eastern time this Sunday, there will be another live cast. It will probably be three hours and we will be doing a lot of questions and answers. So Mike, thanks again for doing this. And we're ready for segment two. Got it. All right. Talk soon.